lines. We are back. Fault lines with Nixon Stranahan here on 105.5 FM AM 1390. Big news morning for our show, Garland, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Roger Stone <laughs> has been indicted, my friend Roger Stone. We've talked about him. We've had him on the show. Yeah. Is he the only person who's been on our show who's been indicted after appearing on our I show? I think so. Yeah. Because we've had Randy Credico on the show several times, but he hasn't but, been. But he ain't good because they ain't got nothing. It's what I've said all along. I would never. Uh, you remember when they were saying Trump should talk to Mueller? Will Trump talk to Mueller? And I said. He'd be crazy to talk to Mueller because anything you say, they're going to come back. The plan was to get Trump to talk to Mueller and then say he lied to the FBI because that's the plan for everybody they bring in. Because Mueller has long known, long known that that foolishness about collusion, obstruction of justice, he's long known that that was garbage. They have they have nothing there. Again, they're trying to create a circumstantial case that they couldn't prove. You know, a lot of the the other thing about the Mueller indictments. A lot of them are th- about things they know they can't prove in court, like the, all the indictments of the Russians. Yep. He was never going to have to prove that in court. So it's really easy to indict somebody. I think he's made a mistake on this. I'll tell you what I'm watching for today, then we'll bring on Michael, Michael Nevidakis, our guest for this segment. I'll tell you what I'm watching for. I want to see how much of the Republican – I want to see if Fre- Roger's friends turn on him. That's what I want to see. I want to see if you see people start distancing themselves. And go, well, you know, I was never that close to Roger. That's almost a guarantee. People well, no, you know what? It's kind of not a guarantee because I know who Roger's friends are. Oh, well, yeah, you know. So, for instance, is Alex Jones going to throw Roger under the bus? I doubt it. Right. No, I'm already out there not doing it. If his friends don't throw him under the bus, I think this will be another tactical mistake on Mueller's part because Roger will fight back and his friends in the media will fight back. Manafort got thrown under the bus. Manafort, there was nobody out there defending. I think Manafort. I think Manafort gets pardoned. I think, I, I think so pardoned. too, and I think he should be pardoned. I think it was absolutely political, and I think Roger Stone will get pardoned too. But Roger's got to fight back. You got to get as much information out there as possible. You got to do media appearances. You not. You've got to not play their game, which is just sit there and shut up and let the media. You got to get out there and talk about it. And Roger's talked about this story a lot, and. His version of the narrative will get out because he's already told it a bunch. And we now have with us Dr. Uh, Michael Neverdakis. Dr. Neverdakis is happens to to be well. He's normally in Greece. Let's just hope he's in Greece now. Mm-hmm. But he's the host of Dialog uh, Dialogos Radio. Dialogos. Michael Neverdakis. How do I pronounce the name of your radio show? Uh, well, the Greek way is dialogos. <laughs> oh, there we go, dialogos. That sounds good. Okay. So let's talk about a couple of things. We're talking about. Uh, let's start with this, which I, I never understood. And, and maybe you can explain to, to 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 ignorant Americans like me, the issue of the Macedonian name change. To me, of course, I don't know any history on it. I'm like, yeah, who cares what they call a country? But I understand that that's such a big deal in Greece. Why is it? Why, for starters, is it such a big deal? The naming of this. Um, you know, of this, I don't know, what is a country? What is it anyway? Is it a country? It's, a, it's a, the country right to the north of Greece. Okay. And, and why, why is everybody so freaked out over the name? Uh, the people like me, we, we really don't understand it. What's it all about? Well, there's uh, a lot of issues that have to do with uh, history and culture, but I think the most significant issues have to do with geopolitics. And sometimes the two uh, in the past few years have gotten intertwined. 
the country that calls itself Macedonia, or that will now be calling itself North Macedonia, is uh, a former Yugoslav Republic. It gained its independence when Yugoslavia collapsed in 1991, and that's when it declared itself the Republic of Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is also the name of a region of northern Greece. It's uh, a region and a name that has been historically associated with Greece and culturally associated with Greece. But the, aside from issues over you know, who has historical rights to the name, uh, what we have been seeing in the past two or three decades is uh, a nationalist push on the, pa on, on the part of people living in um, the country calling itself Macedonia um, for a so-called Greater Macedonia. There's been politicians from that country, for instance, that have appeared and been photographed in front of maps of the so-called Greater Macedonia, which includes large portions of Greek territory. Um, so that's one very significant issue that has a lot of people in Greece feeling uh, very disturbed. Um, a lot of people see this issue overseas as, oh, you know, just a nationalist dispute between nationalists in two countries. Uh, you know, who cares what this country calls itself? The issue is, if it's just an issue over a name, then why is the State Department and NATO and the European Union so invested in what that country calls itself? And why are they so insistent, by the way, that the country has a name that includes the word Macedonia in it? So I think if one asks himself that question, uh, they may realize that the issue at hand is more than just the name, but it has to do a lot with uh, NATO and European uh, Union influence in the area. I'll, I'll give one example here. Uh, recently, German Chancellor Angela Merkel was asked uh, a question that had to do with the consequences of uh, Brexit in Great Britain le uh, leaving the European Union. And she said that that would be offset by the expansion of the European Union into the Southern Balkans. And she meant countries like um, the so-called Macedonia. So that should indicate that there is a huge interest, a huge geopolitical interest, uh, which involves uh, military bases. It involves the possibility of routing oil and gas pipelines through that region. There's a huge geopolitical interest on the part of the U.S., NATO, and the European Union in that country. The largest U.S. embassy in the world, apparently, is in the capital of that country. So that should say a lot. What about, um, you know, as far as, you know, you mentioned pipelines and geopolitics. Geographically, um, where what does it sit between, for those people, for people like me who couldn't find it on the map, um, where does it sit and is its geographical location of consequence in, the, in, in this whole kind of NATO, uh, EU, you know, Eastern kind of, you know, kerfluffle going on right now? It's a country that's in, located in a powder keg of a region. It's north of Greece. Uh, it's between Albania and Bulgaria to the west and east. Uh, Kosovo is uh, to the north of uh, is to the north of this country. Uh, this is a region that is not exactly stable. Uh, even internally within the country that's calling itself Macedonia, there have been many issues in recent years with the country's very large Albanian uh, minority. 
Um, there's issues going on right now involving Kosovo and a possible redrawing of the boundaries with Serbia and with Albania. So this is a region that is very, very unstable, and it's all the more reason why uh, actors such as the U.S. and um, the State Department, NATO, and the European Union would like a strong foothold in the region. Now, one thing that I should mention here is that a fear that many people have in Greece is that by calling this country North Macedonia, you're immediately implying that there is a South Macedonia, which is the northern region of Greece, and that at some later point in the future, the two should be united, in other words, forming what uh, some have been calling the Greater uh, Macedonia. Now, despite the fact that the Prespes Agreement, the agreement that was signed between the two countries and which was just voted in today, uh, just about an hour ago by the Greek parliament, um, despite the fact that it explicitly, supposedly, prevents either country from making territorial claims on the other, something that should be very indicative about what might happen in the future comes from a statement that was made yesterday by the leader of a political party that represents the so-called Macedonian minority in Greece. It's uh, called the Rainbow Movement. And this individual, the leader of this party, posted on Facebook uh, that this PRESPA agreement uh, basically has resulted in uh, the recognition uh, of the rights of the Macedonian minority in Greece. Now, we're talking about a party that has never gotten more than a few hundred votes in any election. So, you know, this is a non-existent movement, basically. But, you know, at some later point, there could be claims that there is a Macedonian minority in Greece whose rights are being trampled upon, and that could serve as the impetus for uh, further development. Um, uh, you know, the, the EU is, is in a, a very trying time. I would One could argue crossroads. Um, the, the, the Brits are head, apparently um, making some effort to head out the door. Um, you know, the, the the yellow vest people are running all over France. That place is falling apart. Looks like a zombie apocalypse going on there. So do you think the fact that the EU is kind of tottering on the edge of, you know, you know, I may be overstating it, but I could say they're, they're, they're you know, on the edge of breaking up. But I think if they lose, you know, you, you start losing countries like England and France, some people in France want out. And we certainly know how Italy feels. Do you think the precarious situation that the EU finds itself in economically, strategically, um, is affecting its, um, you know, focus on Macedonia and that region. It is. I believe it is. And I think it's evident not just from the Macedonia issue, but from a lot of other developments that we've been seeing recently. Um, the fact, for instance, that uh, Angela Merkel and uh, the French president uh, Macron have been pushing recently very strongly for the formation of a EU army. Um, that should indicate that they're feeling uh, they're feeling the heat, and they feel that now's the time to double down and to reinforce uh, the power and might of the European Union. Precisely because it's being threatened internally by so many different actors, by the yellow vests, by uh, by Brexit, by more and more people. Uh, adopting a Eurosceptic point of view in many countries throughout Europe, the success of Eurosceptic parties in Italy and Hungary and uh, Poland, the Czech Republic, Denmark, um, all of that uh, clearly has a certain uh, segment of the European Union, the one that is exemplified by 
Macron, by Merkel, and I would even say the Greek Prime Minister, Alexis Tsipras, who uh, he's very open about his allegiance to the European Union, not so much about his allegiance to Greece, the country he's elected to lead. Um, I think it's indicative of, uh, of that. Isn't that kind of also the problem with the the European Union and the fear of the of an EU army? Because you know, if you if you're in uh, in particular, let's say you're in Greece and you tell the Greek the Greek army, hey, we want you to go, you know, suppress an uprising by the Greek people. Well, that's their friends and family. They may be say, nah, yeah, we're not going to do that. But if you have an EU Outside. army. That you can take people from way over the other side of the continent and bring them to a country where they don't speak the language and they have no relationship to them and say, hey, just mow down all these people in the street. And I mean, they're more likely to do that. I mean, is that an overblown fear? Does that discussion even happen, um, you know, where you are in Greece regarding an EU army? Uh, a lot of people in Greece are concerned about what an EU army would actually represent, and I don't think it's an overblown fear at all. I will add, in fact, that uh, an EU army could supplant or replace uh, NATO in the future. Consider the fact that NATO's role is being questioned, especially by uh, the Trump administration, um, to the point that the House actually voted recently uh, on the bill to prevent Trump from leaving, from taking the U.S. out of NATO. I mean, it's really that point. Um, so the EU army could play that role, could fill a vacuum that might at some point be vacated by uh, NATO. So, uh, uh, you know, now we see, you know, NATO, the U.S., and the EU involved in the Macedonia name change, the Macedonian issue. Um so it's been a few years since we had the big issue with Greece and the EU where, you know, the, uh, it, basically Greece went broke and everybody around the world. It's interesting. The, all these people around the world here in the U.S. said, look at Greece. They're irresponsible. They screwed up their money. Yeah, and now that we look into it, we realize that basically the EU screwed them. <laughs> the EU came in massively. That they did. You know, the IMF and all of these did what they do worldwide is go into countries and they leave a country in massive debt and say, all you can do is pay us back our money and, and, and your internal people have to suffer. So now that that's that it, the, the things in, in, in Greece have had a, a while to simmer, how do you think the attitudes are of, of the Greek people towards and I'll name three NATO, the EU and then look eastward towards Russia? Uh, you know, um, what, what, what are the attitudes that you see on the, the, from the average person in the street about those three particular entities? Uh, I think the average person in Greece, to be honest, and it pains me to see this, but I think the, the average person feels defeated. Um, there's still a mentality in Greece um, that the country can't survive without the EU, uh, that as bad as things are, they would be worse if Greece was not a member of the European Union and the Eurozone. I'm not sure the percentage of those people is as high as opinion polls have repeatedly claimed in the past, but you do get this very strong sense of defeatism in Greece and this sort of dependence on the European Union. Now, a lot of that also comes from the fact that the European Union is very good about providing handouts to farmers, to small businesses, and that shuts a lot of mouths. And you really do see that a lot in Greece in recent years. In fact, concerning the Macedonia Agreement, um, there was a statement made by the mayor of a city in northern Greece who said that our farmers, it's a farming region, uh, have been promised better farming subsidies uh, if they close their mouths about this agreement. So that should indicate 
um, you know, how people are even being bribed to, uh, to not display any open opposition toward the EU and anything that EU does or, or supports. Now, as far as Russia, there's a lot of people in Greece. I mean, it's not universal, but there's a lot of people in Greece that have feelings of kinship with Russia. Uh, there's cultural and religious and historical reasons for that. The current government, however, has been rather hostile uh, toward Russia. There was that incident that's here where diplomats were expelled, uh, Russian diplomats were expelled from Greece, uh, and essentially what the Greek government is representing, and it's quite ironic because it's supposedly a radical leftist government that at one time was very much against the U.S., they're essentially representing the, the State Department and NATO line uh, concerning policy in the Balkans. So I think that's where things stand right now. Um, I, are you paying attention to this? And, and I, I, I talk about EU stuff a lot, particularly with you, because I know based on the history, the EU history in Greece, that it's something that is of great concern to the to the Greek people. And one of the things in looking at Brexit, and I've thought about this, because you mentioned, you know, people talking about, you know, oh, well, we, we may be worse off if we weren't in the EU. I feel that the e, the biggest fear of the EU is that the, that England will leave the European Union and will prosper. That England will you leave this 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 non-state you know entity, and that okay they'll take a, a hit maybe for a while, but if we look two years down the road, that they may be prosperous, and that people may say, well, wait a minute, maybe you're actually anything. better off to leave the the European Union. That that's their biggest fear, and that other countries will start looking in the mirror saying, you know, maybe and it, 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 historically we were better off before we joined them, and now things have gone to crap. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Good point, Garland. Uh, I agree. I do think that if Britain does manage to to leave and make a clean break from the European Union, and if their if their economy does prosper immediately or within uh, one or two or three years, it will serve as an example for other countries, uh, Italy or France or even Greece, uh, to say, well, there is an uh, an alternative, uh, and we can actually survive without the uh, the EU. So I think what we've been seeing with Brexit and this just incredible push to overturn the uh, decision uh, made by voters in a referendum is indicative of that. All right. Well, we're just about out of time, Dr. Neverdockers. We're talking with Dr. Michael Neverdockers. He's a host of Dialogos Radio. In, uh, and uh, where, can, a, where can people go online to find your stuff and where can they find you on Twitter? Twitter. It's dialogosmedia.org, uh, dialogosmedia.org. One final thing I'll add very sure. quickly is about the PRESPA agreement, the Macedonia agreement. It's illegal. It's unconstitutional in, in both countries. It didn't attain um, a required uh, participation rate in a referendum that was held in the country calling itself Macedonia. The president of that country has not signed off on these uh, constitutional changes and these laws that were passed. The country's constitution was not changed, despite what the agreement said would happen in you know, the timeline of, 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 proving, of, of proving this deal. And in Greece, uh, international agreements require a parliamentary supermajority of 180 or two-thirds out of 300. And today, the deal was passed with 153. Uh, instead of 180. So this is an invalid deal, according to the, the constitutions of both countries. 
Wow. Well, the people in power never—they only care about the rules when it works for them. When it works. When it for don't them. work for them, ah, rules are made to be broken, broken when you right? need to get your way. Or exceptions. How about that? We'll be right back with Tom Luongo, geo political analyst and the publisher of Gold, Goats, and Guns. Oh, you listen to Fault Lines with Nixon and Strand and.